Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And today we decided to, well, I guess every week we kind of try to do something a little different, but this week is no different than any other week, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, You know, one thing that we decided we would do, though, is actually answer some common questions about the paranormal. Uh, These are questions that people ask on a daily basis. Uh, So how do we come up with these questions? Well, there are various websites that have posed some of these questions. Google search uh, certainly shows you the top questions that are asked in regard to the paranormal. Uh, So we're just going to kind of run through and give, give our own answers, you know, shed some light on it. Uh, So grab a drink, sit back, relax, and uh, maybe we'll answer some of your questions. Absolutely. We could probably even start with some of the common questions we had Mm -hmm. before we even started with doing what we do now. Sure. Um, Do you want to start with that then? Yeah. And actually, I have one, and it's probably actually a common question that you probably looked up to, is are orbs actually spirits or... You know, we've seen stuff throughout the years, us doing what we do, but I I think that was one of the common things, common questions I had, taking pictures and stuff, doing paranormal investigations. Right, yeah, and I I feel like orbs are generally pretty common, Uh, no matter who you are, if you're doing an investigation, whether it's the first time or the 562nd time, uh, chances are you've taken a photo and you've got an orb. I mean, half the time growing up, there'd be orbs in just normal photos that I've taken, right? Uh, you know, just around the house. Now, of course, what has significantly changed is the technology in which we use to capture uh, photographs. So, you know, when we we're kids and we're using things like uh, the little scroll button Kodaks, uh, for whatever reason, the exposure would show all these different dust particles and orbs, and we would think, oh, my God, there's a bunch of ghosts. Uh, but today on the iPhone, you take the same photo, you wouldn't capture that kind of stuff. It's just too crisp, too clear. The sensor's so good that it kind of uh, minimizes any anomalies most of the time. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not an orb is a ghost or dust or a bug is really just open to uh oh one can say interpretation but if you have the opportunity to debunk it then it's just uh broken down by scientific method uh, whether or not it's a ghost or dust i think the hardest thing is in photographs we can't always tell for sure what an orb is unless there's clear wings or some sort of nucleus uh video is much easier to kind of determine though right yeah um I think we were used to doing more pictures and everything when we first started because 
that's the stuff we had at the time. I mean, we did mm-hmm. have it have a digital camera, uh, but it wasn't a, a full video camera like a lot of the the digital cameras are now. But right, I mean, when you and I started investigating, the the only video camera we had was like a small handy cam, and it didn't film night vision or full spectrum or anything like that. So we could only use it in the daylight or when there were lights on in the room. Uh, and you know, that for what it was, was decent enough to kind of document what we were doing, but not enough to look into the spectrum of what is considered the spirit world. Uh, so photographs, yes, we're, we're kind of our best friend and you know, there, there's been pros and cons to using cameras because you know we've talked about this before but we've had somebody on our team once upon a time who manipulated his camera to create light streaks and so every photo he took it would create a streak and he would try to pass it off as being a spirit crossing in front of the camera uh and that is something that obviously is it's, it's messed up because one you're fooling yourself especially if you believe it um right but you know you, you need it to and I think the reason he did that, he, he's actually trying to um, create a faster camera. So it's like uh, long exposure, basically, is right. what's happening. And so even the slightest bit of movement is what would create that streak. Uh, and the reason you do long exposure is so you can see in the dark better, basically. Uh, you take It takes a series of photos and it kind of crops them all together into one and you get a crisper, cleaner photo, but it only works if it's still on a tripod. Okay. So that was one of the main ones that I could think of. Um, was there any specific questions um, that you kind of going into what we do you weren't unsure or that you were unsure of? Um, you know, I think, I think when we first started, it was more so how do you determine, determine what is a ghost and what isn't when you're hearing things, you know, uh, we've talked on this show a lot about using our senses, uh, as like our primary source of investigative tools, uh, sight, hearing, sense of smell, uh, things like that, even a sixth sense, um, and so often when, especially early on, you know, we would get into something, we'd be kind of hyped up, might be a little nervous, might be a little scared if something happens. Uh, and that can completely jack up your sense of, uh, your, your sensory organs because suddenly every sound is potentially a spirit. Uh, and so you have creaks in the wall that are taking you one direction, which may be the opposite direction of something that might be spiritual. Uh, so I think that was the hardest part. And the question was, because uh, I didn't say the question was, how do you differentiate what is uh, what is the the sensing of a spirit and what is the sensing of something that's just maybe ourselves? And of course, the answer to that, I think, is probably just working on ourselves, right? Getting to know our the way we process information. Yeah, and... Um I think honing your senses is the the biggest thing there because um, there's way too much stimulus input in everyday life period. Mm -hmm. And you do 
limit that to an extent when you're doing a paranormal investigation, especially if you're doing one in the dark, then you're limiting your sight a little bit so that your hearing can be a little bit better. Um, <clears throat> when, when you're eliminating a certain sense, the other ones kind of kick in a little bit more. Um, I'm trying to think back to some of our investigations and wonder if there was ever a point that I was like constantly not freaking out, but questioning if I was hearing something, but it was more so on the recordings that I would question, you know, as we were going over evidence, what I was hearing. Yeah, I feel like uh, when it comes to EVPs, those those are definitely definitely some of the hardest things to uh, to differentiate because there's the slightest movement. It could be rubbing up like if the uh, if the recorder rubs up against your leg, your pant leg, or you know, something like that. It can create just enough ruffle to make it sound like it's a spirit responding to an answer or a question, but in reality. It's just movement, and that's why, like, when, when you know, early on now, this is back in two thousand eight. Right. So equipment was significantly uh, less. I don't know. It wasn't good. Okay, uh, so even when we had headphones on, it still wasn't great. There was a lot of noise. Uh, they're not like noise canceling headphones that we have today, <clears throat> and you know, with the technology we have, we can amp things up. We can hear it. We can uh, basically fluctuate the type of sounds that are coming in through the through the EVP uh, if we put it into an audio uh, anything really uh, whether it's like Audacity or um, some sort of mixer mm-hmm. Adobe products all that stuff uh, we can kind of channel the volumes and pull things out uh, that we might not have been able to, to do back in 2008 back then it was just you recorded something that's what you got that's what you're dealing with and that's it so that is a big difference uh, nowadays i think that was one of the most common uh softwares that a lot of people used was audacity because adobe had barely kind of started coming out with their different products right um trying to think of any other questions or, or common questions that I had when we first started. Um, and I think the, the only other one for me is you talked about, is it a spirit like in your normal senses? But as I started to open myself up and feeling things, is that me or is that, actually a spirit there right uh and this is something i was actually thinking about uh yesterday i was talking to my sister about it um because my other sister is going through some paranormal happenings in her house and i was going to go do a cleansing um and she and her husband agreed on it they wanted the cleansing done because they're both kind of freaking out the kids are freaking out and then they kind of put me on hold because they want to talk to a medium first which blows my mind because they were so adamant on not talking to the spirit at all but now that's what's going to happen so we're opening doors um but you know one thing that i noted when i was talking to my other sister about it is that the more something happened 
within the house, whether it's a light flickering or TV turning on by itself or channel changing, something like that, or feeling, the more they reacted to it. And of course, the more they reacted, the more reaction they got from the potential spirit. And then I started to think about, well, how do you determine what is a spiritual manifestation and a uh, psychological manifestation? Mm. Because the psyche uh, is capable of manifesting something that is very similar to a paranormal haunting. But in reality, it's just your mind playing tricks on you. The light flickering may not be the light flickering. It could be a number of different things that can be internal, um, you know, within your eyes, within your mind, kind of creating these flash images. Um, why is the music playing on the TV? It's a very good chance that you just happened to turn that on and forgot about it uh, because there's so many other things going on. And then by the time you go back, it's like, oh, my God, the TV's on and it's playing whatever. In this case, it was church music, which is very odd from my sister's house, like beyond <laughs> odd. It's, it's non-existent. So that's what really freaked her out. Uh, but you know, the, these are like things that you have to consider is I think the hardest part is determining unless you're doing an actual paranormal investigation, uh, because what's, I think a spiritual manifestation can be documented, whereas a psychological manifestation cannot necessarily because psychological one can sometimes just be within the single person who's experiencing the events. Um, and that's just a very powerful psychic manifestation in which case it would be, or could be more like a poltergeist style haunting. Or even going a little step further, everybody freaking everybody out. And it's a manifestation of something as well in and of itself like we've talked about in the past manifesting any type of entity and it's not even really there you're manifesting it because you're of your fear right and that that was on an episode we did for uh, mass hysteria and and one of the big Mm. topics we talked about uh, on that episode was uh slender man as Mm. being a key uh a key example. character or yeah. element example yeah of that mass hysteria thing uh you know when enough people believe in something strongly enough then it can manifest itself in some manner but again whether or not it's actually a physical entity or just somebody's belief system believing that that entity exists and therefore they see it and feel it it's hard to tell without doing proper uh research investigation things like that so um yeah, that's the big whole. That's the biggest thing about being a paranormal investigator is trying to figure out what's what and taking the opportunity and the time to break it down and separate the two. For sure. All right. Some. What are some of the questions that you actually came across online? Yeah. So one of the questions that I came across was, "What exactly makes something paranormal?" I guess. In, in my opinion, just anything unexplained could make it paranormal. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make, doesn't mean it's paranormal, but could make it paranormal. Yeah, you know, and I, you know, even when I did research on on it, you know, I found a number of things that were similar to what how you just answered, and then others were like, you know, the paranormal is pretty much anything that isn't known by science. Uh, so it's the unknown, the unexplained. As you said, uh, so unless science is capable of making it known, then it's paranormal. So in the case of hauntings, in this case, because the primary, the primary idea behind the paranormal, most people are going to think ghosts. 
And so ghosts, right. as of right now, according to science, don't exist, and therefore it's paranormal. But if someday science can prove the existence of ghosts, well, now it's no longer paranormal. It's just normal. It's scientifically proven. <laughs> right. So, you know, and, and that, of course, goes along with not just ghosts, but it goes with uh, cryptids, aliens, all that type of stuff, those type of creatures that we would consider to be supernatural or paranormal. Uh, same with anything that's like spiritual in the religious sense. Um, you know, God, angels, demons, all that is considered paranormal or s- more so supernatural, uh, once again, because science cannot comprehend exactly what that is, nor do they know how to test it. Uh, so by human standards, it can't be normal and it can't exist because our, you know, human instruments cannot test those subjects yet. All right. What's another one? Another one is, is it dangerous to experience or encounter some sort of paranormal activity? I would say it's not dangerous in and of itself, but we've talked about this however many times. Opening doorways can absolutely be dangerous because if you're not paying attention, you're not protecting yourself, things like that, it can be. But just experiencing paranormal activity in and of itself isn't necessarily dangerous, I, I think, anyways. Okay. I mean, I, I think I would mostly agree with you as well. Um, and I think it's mainly also depends on how the individual who's experiencing it reacts to uh, said experience. Uh, you know, if somebody like you and I experience <laughs> a, 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 any type of ghost-like creature, we're going to be like, maybe startled at first. And then we're going to be like, okay, let's chase this sucker down and find out what's happening. Where someone else might see it and just completely freak the heck out and not know what to do. And that could move into dangerous territory because, uh, one, you're opening yourself up by being overly emotional toward an entity. Mm -hmm. And if it's a negative entity, it can feed off of you um, or off of that energy you're putting out there. Uh, But also, if you freak out, you know, how many times have we seen just like people on TV who experience a ghost? I mean, even on ghost adventures, you would think after 20 some odd seasons, they wouldn't get scared. And yet they freak out. They scream. They run down the hall through the pitch black and they stumble downstairs. Like that's dangerous, right? Cause you're going to run down the stairs in pitch black. You can potentially fall and break your neck. So, you know, there are serious concerns uh, when it comes to whether or not the paranormal activity can, I'm sorry, can be dangerous. And I think it's mainly just dependent on uh, how you um, manage that experience. Um, Well, for them, though, too, how much of it is them actually being scared and how much of it is ratings too? Well, that's that we don't know. That's the thing. We just don't know. That's we were working there with them or, you know, right. We're not the wall. there, but it's, I mean, you've seen it yourself. We've mentioned it numerous times that you're on a TV show. You need ratings and a certain, group that was on the sci-fi channel you saw mm-hmm. fake mm-hmm. 
some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I won't say certain group. It was Ghost Hunters, <laughs> you know, the show that started it all. Aside from like Paranormal State, uh, you know, they were faking evidence in the end, and that's why they disappeared for several years before uh, Jason Hawes brought it back. Uh, and apparently, they you know kind of restructured it all and promised they wouldn't be faking stuff. But yeah, you know, I did. I saw somebody walk past the door, put their hand out, and open it stop then walk back and bump into the door and say oh my god the door just opened by itself and that's i rewound it thankfully we had dvr like i got proof and i had everybody <laughs> in my household at the time coming over to watch uh so it drove it, it drove me crazy um but you know jumping back to whether or not the paranormal can be dangerous i i do want to you know we've talked about my issues with sleep paralysis over the mm-hmm. years and i haven't experienced it in couple of months now three four months now and a lot of that has to do with just um cleansing energies and things like that that i've been doing practicing for a while now uh regularly but people who experience who experience uh sleep paralysis myself included at the time you tend to there's a scientific study behind it and then there's obviously the Right. Paranormal version. Uh, and they kind of go hand in hand in a way. Uh, the idea behind the scientific version is that you basically wake up in the middle of a dream. And so your dream and reality are mixing together at the same time. And so you experience things that shouldn't be real in reality, in your actual real presence, physical presence. Um, but according to the science, that's just your mind playing the trick. They can you believe it's real when in reality it's just a dream manifesting itself into our physical realm. Uh, now, of course, I'm, you know, teeter tottering on that a little bit because I've had years of experience with it and it's not always that cut dry, right? Uh, so I think when it comes to things like par- like paralysis, you want to take the opportunity uh, to to understand why you're having sleep paralysis and maybe even talk to a therapist or someone who understands it to kind of help, you know, get your mind right, get your physical space right. Because if you deal with it for so long, that stuff can start to creep up on you, can start to 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 haunt you and for lack of a better word. because uh, now you're losing sleep. You're as you fall asleep, you're worried it's gonna happen again. And then it's gonna continue on for day after day after day. And that can build up and become dangerous as well. Uh, especially if you get so scared. Well, now you're opening a door to an entity that can potentially come in and, you know, invite it in and hang out and who knows what. Well, and I, I guess it just depends on the type of paranormal activity that you're having. Like if you're out and you have an experience with a dog man mm. or Sasquatch, mm. that can be tend to be be potentially dangerous, especially if you're provoking for a response, like throwing stones at it or something like that, then yeah, that's, that's dangerous. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. And I mean, if you believe in the dog, man, you probably shouldn't be going out looking for one anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I've seen enough evidence with Bigfoot where it's like, okay, they're, they're pretty much just loud and trying to scare you off. But I've heard and read some scary stuff about the dog man. Dog. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm just saying even accidentally, not even going mm-hmm. on out for a an investigation or anything, but you're out 
camping and then all of a sudden you have this encounter with a dog man. I was uh, talking to my buddy the other day because he he or the other week I should say because he wrote a a movie script based on the dog man. Mm. And so we were talking about because he asked me he's like we had like a 2 hour conversation and he asked he he's like well do you do you believe in the dog man like do you like all your study and research stuff, like do you actually believe in it? <laughs> and it's like you know obviously I don't know like I've done enough research to know that there's some sort of significant evidence to prove that dogmen at least once existed when we look at the hieroglyphs and uh, various art pieces throughout the histories that are thousands of years old mm. um, and I told him I was like look I'm going to be honest if I drive through the woods or walk through the woods in the middle of the night I'm not worried about the coyote I'm not worried about some serial killer or whatever like that like the only thing on my mind the entire time is whether or not there is a dogman in the woods which <laughs> It's, you know, it's ridiculous, but they're scary. They're like really freaking scary. Uh, and so I did, which I, you know, I, I recorded it and haven't released it, but I did a small episode of my, for myself uh, on the dogman, the history of the dogman and going through some of the encounters. They're so similar. And these are encounters that are years apart in various areas. They're so similar that it starts to create some sort of uh, realism that what people are encountering is indeed an actual creature because they are telling practically the same story, which means that, you know, there, there's something out there, something happening, whether or not it's actually a dog, man. I don't know, but nonetheless, there, there's something. Right. All right. Next question. All right. So kind of jumping off of this or leading off of this, uh, whether or not paranormal experience, uh, is dangerous. The next question is, can spirits hurt you? They, I believe they can. Mm. Yeah, you know, and I, I completely agree. You know, and uh, in the research, I tend to see a lot of people saying, well, there's no evidence that, you know, spirits are even real, let alone they can hurt you. But I've seen enough evidence of people who provoked and end up with injuries that can't Scratches, be explained. Scratches, yeah, slaps. Right. <clears throat> um. So in that case, yeah, you know, I, I do think that spirits, if they're strong negative entities, they can indeed hurt because once again, the majority of spirits out there are humans that just once existed in physical form. Now right. they're in a spiritual form. And to say that you can't cross over, I mean, clearly so many people, thousands, if not millions of people see ghosts on a daily basis, shadow people, uh, mists, things like that. So there's some sort of crossover. Um, so to say, oh, yeah, we can see them, but, you know, we can't feel them or they can't touch us. That's just that's ridiculous, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think there's enough evidence to say, sure, a spirit can hurt you, but it's very rare. Um it's typically only if it's a very negative, negative spirit, and most likely only if you're provoking it as well. I think one question that a lot of people have, and we've done shows on this, we actually just recently, is um, can, can a Ouija board... Mm-hmm. Uh, be harmful in any way. Well, Ouija board, tarot readings, having a medium, you know, to do whatever, talk to a spirit for you or otherwise. Like some people, I think, you know, they they fear the idea of using a Ouija board. 
Uh, Ouija boards are very simple to use. Anyone can use a Ouija board. It's not difficult. Tarot, obviously, there's much more of a technical aspect to it. Uh, you have to understand the cards, uh, or at least understand how to interpret them in your own way. Um, but I feel like people tend to turn to tarot mediums, psychics, because they're afraid of encountering something firsthand. And they think that if they go through a loophole by having someone else encounter this entity for them, then there will be no re repercussion on themselves, which I think is totally wrong in thinking that way because you're still putting your energy into whatever it is you're having someone else do you know they're asking questions for you they're reaching out for you um just because they may not be in the same room as you are doesn't mean that the entity is not going to respond and realize that you're the one reaching out um you know the, the spirit realm is vastly different from our physical one there's energies in play that we don't understand um and so Simply asking a question is a type of energy uh, that can simply manifest itself and draw in other energies that would then possibly linger in a home or create some sort of weird whatever, you know, within the house. Right. No, yeah, I I agree. Uh, and all three of those things, you're basically yeah, doing the exact same thing that you would be with a Ouija board. <laughs> But like right. you said, just going through a, a different medium. Uh, uh, and with all three of those things, just like we talked about, about um, if the paranormal could hurt you, you know, protecting yourself and learn how to protect yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, that's one thing I actually told my sister because, you know, now that she's having this medium who's not coming to the house. This medium is going, she's going to channel into the house from wherever she's located. And, you know, I, I told my sisters, like, look, for the last few months, you guys have been adamant. You don't want any contact with the spirit. You're just going to ignore it. You don't want to talk to it or anything like that. You don't want to provoke it. Then it gets worse. I volunteer to come do a cleansing. No contact other than we'll sage the house. We'll get rid of the negative energies. Uh, we'll push the spirit out. We don't need to talk to it. We don't need to ask questions. They don't want to do that. Um, but eventually they decided they do. And then they turned to the medium. And I said, look, here's the thing. Like, I'm fine. Like, I don't mind coming in and cleansing. Now, Justin and I are very different on here. And it's nothing against psychics or mediums. I'm not as fond of mediums, uh, you know, entering, especially homes of my family it gets more personal because despite what many mediums claim um in that they can easily open and shut a door and that's it there is so much significant evidence of mediums who continue to have attachments spiritual attachments which means when they open a door there's more potential for any attachments they have to walk through that door and create a different manifestation or, or infestation of a property that wasn't there prior uh, even if they were to shut the door, one thing you have to understand is like they say, there's rules to the spirit realm, but spirits don't always abide by the rules because the spirit realm isn't black and white. There's a lot of gray that we don't understand. So there are some spirits that, yes, will obey the commands and say, oh, she said, don't talk to, you know, I'm, she's closing the door. Don't talk. You cannot talk to this person. You cannot talk to that person. Okay, fine. Again, they were human ones. What's to say they can't make up their own mind as to whether or not they will or will not communicate to somebody. So I told my sister, you know, that's the thing you need to consider. Like when she opens the door, that door is opening. 
once you open that door of communication, that spirit, after the medium leaves, may want to continue communicating and find a way to communicate with you. Now, I don't feel like it's a bad spirit. I spent a lot of time in that house. There's no negative feeling. Um, you know, I have the sensitivity towards those negative entities. So I don't think it's bad. But what does bother me is that my nieces, who are seven months and two years old, they're very, 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 very open to this type of stuff. So if there's a spirit of any type in the house, it's going to become, um, they're going to be much more aware of it and more likely to uh, befall whatever it, it is that it does, you know. Uh, not that is negative, but my niece, two years old, is already scared to death of ghosts to begin with. At two years old, you shouldn't even know what a ghost is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she is. So, <clears throat> I, you know, that's one thing that I told her. Like, you need to create this, um, this hedge of protection. And so I had to explain to her what a hedge of protection was, how to go about doing that, creating the vision of white light and using words of affirmation and things like that to help protect yourself just as a precaution so that when the medium enters the house, talks to the spirit, there's no backlash. And then we'll go from there. But we'll see what happens. My, my biggest question on that was not having the person, the medium come there in person or a medium come in into the house in person instead it's it, remotely basically um and yeah. I, like i i said to you i'm not usually the type of person to just right out say they're jumping the gun but to have the activity, activity that they've had they don't want the spirit there obviously and then you're offering to not necessarily get rid of the spirit but you're cleansing the house of any negative mm-hmm. energy that might be there mm-hmm. um and then for them to just jump into nope we're going to have a medium and not just a medium somebody remotely remote view the house and not actually come in and do any type of investigation at all. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And I don't, I don't know this medium. I've never heard of the medium. They, they used her once to reach out to a dog of theirs that passed away. And not that there's anything wrong with remote viewing in this case, there are plenty of mediums that do it. Chip coffee, very Mm -hmm. famous. He does a lot of remote medium ship stuff um especially on kindred spirits you probably know that show um you know he does a lot of that stuff from the comfort of his own home but i don't know it's just, i don't know i just i feel uneasy about it myself so i'm i'm very curious just to see what exactly this medium says you know i'm curious to know because her main thing is now that the medium knows that there's something and they told her i shouldn't say they it's it, there's a little head butting as to exactly <laughs> why this medium is, you know, coming in. Go- yeah. Yes. Um, and I'm not involved in that head butting. So I'm just, <laughs> just saying, um, I'm on the outside looking in, <clears throat> but you know, she was told that there was going to be a saging. They were going to sage. And so the medium said, well, don't do that. Let me, let me 
you know, channel in and see what kind of spirit it is to see if it's even whether or not the sage will make it upset or if it's worth going through with the sage. And I'm just like, not that sage can't upset spirit, but it's very rare. And it's dependent, of course, entirely on the spirit. But again, there's no negativity here in this. You know, the the, the ones that tend to not work are very negative ones. But I've, I've pushed away demons with sage. You know, it's it's all, it's not just the sage itself that's the power. It's the person and the people behind the intention, uh, yeah. those doing the, yeah. So <clears throat> that's something that's just, I don't know, it's mind boggling. I'm just curious to see what this, what this medium has to say. I want to sit down with her and be like, okay, let's talk. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. All right. Well, we're at about the halfway okay. point, so we'll take a quick break. Um, folks, you've been listening to Paratruth Radio. We'll hear a quick commercial, and we'll be right back with Paratruth Radio. Never heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. As always, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we are discussing some of the common questions asked about the paranormal. Uh, these are questions you found either via some websites or through Google search, and we've answered quite a few. So we're just going to continue on. The next one, which we've, we haven't really covered in this episode, but the question is, why do people do paranormal investigations for a living? Or why do they do investigations in general? I guess it'd be. I was going to say I don't know of anybody that's making a living. Not many, <laughs> not many at all. So let's just say, why do people uh, perform paranormal investigations? I think it's pretty obvious. They're looking for answers to the question of is does paranormal activity exist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's more of a, a curious thing, you know. Um, in the end, do you really need to know what the spirit wants in order to cast it out? Mm -mm. No. You know, do you really need to ask questions and all that jazz? No, it's just, you know, in the end, it's just people who want to know either A, what a specific spirit wants, or B, they want to know whether or not there's life after death. And so they perform a series of scientific tests to try to prove or disprove the existence of spirits and therefore the afterlife or the spiritual realm in general. Right. Next one. That was an easy one. That was yeah. <laughs> done and quick. <laughs> um, so this one we kind of talked a little bit about over the, the, the last year, actually. Um, 
and it kind of goes in, ties in with this idea of investigations and just in regards to feeling or sensing paranormal activity. And that is, how do people sense paranormal activity? I guess this one's weirded or worded <laughs> kind of weird in the sense of how do they do that as in like open themselves up or how do you do it as in where would you feel it? Yeah. I mean, it's not specific. It's very, it's a very broad question. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> to, to kind of open yourself up, I mean, there, there's books upon books and like Eric said, we've like all of last year for the most part, except for the exception of uh, moving into the fall and winter months and stuff. We had a lot of, of psychics on to talk about their books or their, their abilities. Um, I mean, me personally, I had just read a specific book and started going through the exercises that, it was having me do to open myself up. Um, and then to answer the question of where I would feel it, I usually feel it in my head. Like mm -hmm. the, where most people would picture the third eye is that's where I usually feel it. Um, I sometimes feel stuff through my crown chakra, but uh, a lot of people, say that that has to do with your your higher self or uh even higher power trying to communicate with you over the third eye where you're getting something that's actually present in in the space with you um eric has brought up his you know where he usually will feel it if he's get feeling sensitive to something which i believe is your chest right mm -hmm. Um, so that, and, and that would be more the heart chakra. <clears throat> right. And we had talked to somebody about that, one of our guests, and they're like, you just feel it where you feel it. Everybody's different. Right. Um, and, you know, you feel it in your – you don't get headaches or anything like that. You just kind of – it's like a sense, right? In your, in it's kind of like a like pressure. Drive. It's a pressure. Okay. And like, so for me, like, yeah, I get the same thing, the pressure type of thing or the heavier weight, weightiness of, uh, something on my chest, but it's sometimes, um, goes hand in hand with a headache that is like immediate. It just like out of nowhere, start getting a headache. Uh, usually you have to walk away for a while. Um, now I'm going to, I also am going to answer this question, but I'm going to take it in a slightly different route um, because you were talking about the psychic ability. How do you enhance your psychic ability or sensitivity toward mm. uh, paranormal activity? Uh, I'm going to take it in more of a physical or um, amateur route, I guess, for lack of a better term, in that uh, there are ways to sense paranormal activity as a person who doesn't have any sensitivity toward it uh, or psychic abilities. And those are some very simple things. You know, people will will say that they feel cold spots, that they feel the hair raise in the back of their neck or on their arms. Uh, they tend to get some sort of chill or, uh, you know, they see or hear something. So shadow people or something like that, or they hear noises. Uh, these are all indicators possible indications that there could be something around. Um, 
again, though, when it comes to those type of physical manifestations, you want to try to debunk them. Uh, so using some sort of scientific approach, like, was that really a shadow? Well, are there cars on your street? Could it have been a car that drove by and it just happened to create the shadows? Your TV on that could have, you know, created the shadow. Uh, why is it there a cold spot? Is it just a draft? Or is, is there any draft? Is there a window that's partially open? Things like that you want to check for. Because oftentimes, a lot of those uh, feelings can be debunked. Um, but if you're going through that whole scientific process and you can't debunk it, then there's a chance that what you're feeling is actually some sort of paranormal activity. And then, of course, you can go from there as to whether or not you want to dig deeper or you just want to, if you're, if you're the type of person who kind of gets creeped out by that kind of stuff, you can envision that white light surrounded, surrounding yourself with that hedge of protection or whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and just push the energy out. Um, I would refrain from talking to the energy though. If you're not comfortable with that, if, if mm. it's something, if you get scared easily, I wouldn't even bother doing it. Cause like, we've been down that I've been down that road. It's not smart. If you're like freaking out a little, just let it go. <laughs> don't, don't acknowledge. Um, Sometimes that's what they want you to do. So I would say the same thing too. If you're questioning whether or not you want to open yourself up to spirit communication psychically, if, if you think you want to uh, open up your third eye and, and go down that road, if you have any fear about it whatsoever, don't open that door mm-hmm. because well, and yeah, no, you're right. And so like, just to bring this up and I mean, don't mean to throw you, throw you out under the bus like this, but you know, one thing that you've talked about at least with me, maybe off air, I don't know if we talked about it on air. Um, or maybe we did with somebody a couple of weeks ago that one thing you've always wanted to do, but you've been hesitant to try was to have an out of body experience because of, I mean, I don't know if it's an irrational fear or not, but you have this kind of fear that you might get stuck out there mm-hmm. and not know how to snap back. Um, and so in that case, it isn't necessarily a smart thing to push forward and try to accomplish that until you've been able to settle whatever it is within you uh, that creates that fear in the first place. Cause the chances are that, and not that this would be you, but for example, if you did uh, in fear, end up having an out-of-body experience and you start freaking out while you're having that experience, well, shit can hit the fan real fast, right? right? And it can be very troublesome. And not that you would get lost. I've never heard of anybody having an out-of-body experience and then going into a deep coma for years on end because they're lost somewhere out there. Um, I think it's more like pop culture and movies that push that fear into your mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, so... I, but but I get it, you know, and it's one of those things where again you do want to you always want to play it safe when it comes to uh, the spiritual realm because again it isn't black and white. There's a lot of gray spots, and it depends on the type of energies, the type of spirits, uh, all that stuff comes into play. So you have to be careful. Research, research, research. And if you are interested in like building your psychic ability, uh, your sensitivity, stuff like that, then that's all about meditation, meditation, meditation. And there are a ton of books you can read out there. Um, I would, of course, stray away from what is considered occult books, um, you know, things that dabble in various types of, um, I don't know, witchcraft or Satanism and things like that that'll help push you into a certain direction. Those can get a little sketchy. So look for those authors uh, who are 
tried and true mediums and psychics. Their name is well known. They have hundreds or thousands of reviews. Um, if you want more information, of course, you can reach out to us. We've got plenty of guests that we've had on that we can recommend oh, yeah. in terms of their 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 authorships. Um, but yeah, it's again, it's it's a process. It's not something that you just learn overnight. It takes time to develop the sensitivity, the psychic ability, and of course to 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 strengthen your mind and pull yourself away from the fear. Uh, the main thing you need to realize is just. You know, and that's what I was about to say is contradictive. So I was going to say what I was about to say. You know, the main thing is you got to remember ghosts can't really hurt you. But just a few moments ago, we said, yes, they can. <laughs> so, you know, the, it's all about the mind, though. Ultimately, yeah. you're in power here. Um, you know, it's your body, your home, all that stuff. So, yeah, just take it easy. Take caution. All right. Next one. Um, actually, that's about all I got right now. Or that's, I mean, that's a lot, but yeah, <laughs> those are, are, I mean, those are the main ones. Are there any other common ones that you can think of that you had? Um, I think a big, I guess a big one, I, we can consider it paranormal is whether or not uh, a dream can be interpreted as a symbol. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things about dream interpretation. You know, I, I know you've had dreams, I've had dreams and we always question, well, what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mm-hmm. mean? Well, the question is, what does it mean? And the answer is we don't really know. It might mean nothing. You know, uh, when we're asleep, the subconscious mind is fully open. It is able to, uh, think things, understand things, believe things that normally you would not even think about during the day. Um, during the day, we're kind of closed off. Uh, so at night, your mind has a tendency to expand and explore some of those deep-rooted uh, thoughts that you don't normally think about. So what's why we have weird dreams? Like, what is what's the symbolism behind, you know, uh, me falling from a bridge? Like, is there a symbol behind it? What does it mean? It, means it doesn't mean anything uh, necessarily. Um, so I think for me, it was like, that was the big thing early on. Was, and even nowadays, like, I'll have a dream. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean? Especially if I have it like two or three times in a row uh, or over the course of a week or two, it just starts to haunt me a bit. Like, what does it mean? But in the end, I don't think it really means anything. I'm not big on dream interpretation. Um, you know, I, I suppose there's some significance behind it. Uh, we've done enough research and we've talked to enough people about it. Um, but I'm still not entirely sold. Yeah. I mean, we've been told how to determine whether a dream is just a dream or it could be spirit communication of some kind. And there, there is no real way to determine it unless your personal feelings are pushed one way or the other. I mean, really it. And I I still question when I have dreams, I'll wake up and be like, what the hell was that? Like, right. What was that? Just, I ate way too much food before bed and had indigestion. And my, my body's like, 
dude, you got to stop this. I'm going to scare the crap out of you. Or was it something that I'm supposed to know? I just don't, I, you know, I can't hear it or see it during the day because the, the logical brain is, you know, has taken over and pushing everything else aside. Right. So one thing I would say then is like for anyone who maybe has dreams and questions whether or not to interpret them, I would keep a dream diary or dream journal. If you want, Uh, every time you have a dream, write that dream down uh, as much detail as possible so that later on you can go back, whether it's the next day, a week, a month, whatever, uh, and you can go back through. And who knows? You might have that dream again in the future, and you can mark it, tally it back to that prior one and see what the similarities are. And you might start to see some sort of connection, uh, if there's a connection at all. Otherwise, writing them down can actually help you kind of uh, walk yourself through the dream. Uh, how many? I don't know how many times I've had a dream, woke up, and it's like, for a moment, I remember it all. And then the next, it's like fragments. Yeah. You know, so writing it down immediately can help you remember uh, the details because eventually those details may just kind of disappear. Unless you go through some sort of bout of deja vu, which deja vu is a whole other topic. But there have been instances where I've had deja vu and have been able to trace it back to a dream. Like remembering, oh, I, I remember this happening and I actually remember it happening in a dream, you know. And then at that point, it's like, well, what does that dream mean then? Was that, was that, you know, uh, a force, was that forcing? Was that, you know, what, what, who knows, Mm. you know? Right. Well, and if you write all your dreams down and you're a writer, then you've got a plethora of story ideas that you can delve into if you're having any type of writer's block as well. That's absolutely true. Um, trying to think of any other questions common questions that i would have had starting out how about what is a spirit guide yeah i mean that's a good common uh question and again this is another one where we've we've had a lot of people tell us different things um and and From my understanding of what people have talked to me about, what I've read, you know, a spirit guide is somebody that can actually be multiple spirit guides throughout your entire life. It's not just Mm -hmm. one specific spirit guide, Um, but they're assigned to you to help you learn and grow, Uh, even if you're not even sensitive, you know, they're they say that your your spirit guide is, guides are uh, always guiding you even if you don't know it mm-hmm. um and i think to kind of caveat off of that you know what's the difference between a spirit guide and a and a guardian angel right um you know another thing is sometimes a spirit guide shows itself in a physical form or manifests in a physical form um a, a prime example for myself, um, now I've had multiple spirit guides uh, in the form of animals. You know, sometimes some will just call them spirit animals. Um, those animals are often guides as well. Um, but when I was living in Georgia a few years ago, you got, I'm sure you guys remember that because um, we had really horrible audio for the show because <laughs> I was using a laptop and really bad microphone. Um, but 
you know, it, there was a time where it was just kind of like, I don't know. I, I wasn't in any type of bad space or anything. It was just a moment where at night, like I heard an owl. I was sitting outside just drinking some whiskey or a beer or something like that. I heard an owl. Didn't see it. I walk inside. Uh, I go to the sink and there's like a big window in front of the sink um, that looked out to the front yard, which is where the deck was. <clears throat> and it, at this point, it was twilight. So anyone, I'm sure you guys know what twilight basically looks like. And it's you see shapes of things, right? You see the light in the sky, what's left of it, and then you just see shapes. There's no real color. It's just kind of silhouettes. And all of a sudden, this giant mass of a bird, you know, first time I've ever seen an owl in the wild. And I couldn't even see it because it's so silhouetted by the darkness. I was like, the mystery seriousness behind this creature that I spent years of my life trying to find in person in the wild still doesn't manifest as like show itself. Um, and it was one of those things where it's like, it, you know, you're, it, it reminded me that I was like on a, on the right track, you know, I got to continue to use wisdom. Uh, remember that not everything is clearly seen. Uh, we got to take our steps with caution, but also with a bit of faith. And in that sense, it kind of helped guide me a little bit. Knowing that, okay, yes, things are rough financially and whatnot now, but moving forward, that can change. It's got to remind myself to be wise, make good choices, and follow the way of the owl, right? Um, but yeah, you know, it's all kind of things that have happened, I think, where there's been various spirit guides for myself. Um, and you can actually call on spirit guides too. Like, mm. Right. Actually, did did that uh, last night prior to this record. You know, the night prior to this recording, um, I reached out to just some spirit guides. Um, none, not answered. But you know, <laughs> that you know of, that I know of. Yet, yeah, it might have been in a dream that I forgot. I don't know. <laughs> but what? What's your opinion on the difference between a spirit guide and a guardian angel? Like, or how can you determine the difference? Is there a difference? I think so. Um, guardian angels, I don't think are really guides. They're just kind of there to guard you, protect you, um, keep you safe from certain elements that are beyond our control. Um, a spirit guide is a entity of some sort, whether it could be angelic. Now, mind you, there are millions of angels. Mm -hmm. um, so it could be angelic. It could be something else entirely, um, but typically positive. You know, it's typically a good spirit. It's not a negative one. Uh, and the guide is going to direct you on your path. It's going to help you place one foot in front of the other to get where you need to go next. Um, and often it's to your benefit. So that's where, like, you know, calling out to your guides can be helpful. Um, you know, calling out to God, asking God for help, asking angels for help. Uh, you know, however it is that you uh, contact or talk to your spirit uh, or your spirits uh, depending on your faith um, but I think that's the biggest difference now it's I would, again I want to say it's black and white uh, a guardian angel can certainly be a guide and a guide can certainly be a guardian angel um, but ideally I think a guardian angel is something that's going to protect you keep you safe on your journey oh yeah I, I agree I, I do agree with you 100% but I I've had a lot of people who who don't understand the difference or mm -hmm. think there is a difference. A lot of people think spirit guides are 
guardian angels. And I believe they're two separate things as well. Yeah. You know, and I mean, again, it depends on how you're raised. You know, if you're raised Catholic or in a Christian church, you're, you're likely going to believe that an angel and a guiding spirit are the same thing because there are no spirits. There are no ghosts. There's just angels right. and God. And, you know, some churches, you know, in Christianity don't even believe in devil and demons. They just believe in God and angels. And it's, that's a whole other thing. I'm not going to get into it because I can rant <laughs> forever. Um, but you know, that's <laughs> obviously like for me over the year, I'm, I've always believed in ghosts, but over the years I've started to see the difference between, uh, um, angelic forces that come into play versus, uh, the spirit guides. And one of the biggest angelic forces for me, of course, which I've talked about, it's probably been a while, but it was the night that you and I did a, a, a cleansing, a chakra cleansing, um, mm. or just a negative energy cleansing, uh, back in two, September of 2009. And in that case, I saw, uh, I interpreted to be the Archangel Michael. Now at the time, of course, I had a lot of demons, like, literal physical demons not the internal demons um <laughs> you had a lot so, of those though too <laughs> those too yes those too um but you know in that case in in that sense you know i saw this first and only time i've really seen an angel um I, i've seen angels since then but this is the first time ever uh and you know it, it was it, it, i mean that you, yeah i mean there you go <laughs> That's that's how I that's how you express when you see an angel. Like there are you can't explain it. You, there's, there's no, no words. words. Um, but you know, it, yeah, you know, and he and he was there uh, as a protector, at least as a symbolic representation of what God was about to do in my life at the time. Because after that, things just—I mean, you know—you know, you know mm-hmm. it, it got crazy in a good way, right. All right, we're about at that point. Any other questions you can think of? No, sir. I think that's about it for me. But of course, if anyone out there has questions, feel free to uh, ask them. All right. Well, I think next week brings us up to our Valentine's Day episode. All righty. So, folks, we're going to be talking about Cupid and where Valentine's Day comes from and uh, some of the common things that are known for Valentine's Day. So stay tuned for that. It's actually our first ever because now we're actually remembering to do one for these holidays that we've forgot to do a hundred times over. It's only been nine years since the first episode of Parachute Radio. We're going to finally do a Valentine's Day version. Um, So make sure you're taking, uh, staying tuned for that. Uh, Make sure you're checking about uh, Killer Podcasts and Paratruth.com. Until next week, where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace.
Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.